This is Creating Utopia, the podcast, ideas to change the world, where we turn conversation into action. Thank you for joining. This episode is titled, A Canadian Perspective on Gun Control, A Response to Colian Noir. This is the first episode where I tackle one of the most polarizing issues facing Western society. On every point of the political spectrum, this issue is relevant. It even leads to single-issue voters, people who vote solely for the candidate that aligns with themselves on this issue alone. If you end up listening to my future podcasts on similar politically polarized topics, you will notice some stark similarities. But I'll do my best, as always, to provide a perspective on this topic, gun legislation, in this episode that you haven't heard before from anywhere else. Personally, I find myself listening to arguments on gun freedom or gun control rehashed for audiences that support either side's agenda over and over. This leads to both sides talking past one another, talking over one another, and really ignoring that there is room to see eye to eye and move forward acting in good faith. This is also one of many podcasts where I may explore territory that will be reflexively opposed by my listeners, my allies. I simply ask that you keep an open mind and listen until the end. I have an excellent clip to play to sum things up before I finish the episode. First things first. Regardless of your position on gun control, guns in general, gun regulation, the Second Amendment, hunting, the Constitution, etc., if you want to make the world a better place then I'm on your side. The problem here, as with abortion, as with public versus private health care, as with immigration or climate change, the issues that are most divisive and fall neatly down party lines, well, there seems to be this feeling that there is a concrete or a good answer or a true answer. One side knows that truth or that good way to proceed, and the other side is wrong and is going to make things worse. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, Trump or Hillary, on these life-or-death issues, you certainly think the person you voted for is going to move things in the more favorable direction. So we're starting on teams that already think they've won. Both of them. And the only way to make any headway, really, is to defend your position, tell everyone why you're right and the other side is wrong, use facts and data and compare the U.S. to every other country and come to conclusions that show the people on the other side are wrong, misinformed, or lying. Well, I'll start by making one claim I can be certain of, in that there are people advocating for zero tolerance of guns, no guns whatsoever, who are exceptional human beings, who make sense even if their goals are more utopian than I would strive for today. There are also people who advocate the absolute freedom to bear arms, who are exceptional human beings. They also make sense, and from my perspective, their view of reality is more dystopian than I would be willing to concede. But what's important to see is that there are people on both sides of this debate who want the best for themselves, their country, their families, communities, and the world. They just have very different starting places and or finish lines in terms of how we actually make things better. I have a particular viewpoint about guns as a Canadian that is going to be radically different than someone from the US. But I also have a viewpoint that is radically different than those in Canada, because both countries can be wrong. 
I can be wrong as well, and I'm not claiming to have any remarkable innate wisdom on the issue, but what I have done is listen to as much information as I could on both sides of this argument from an open perspective, and I've adopted the viewpoints of both sides from people all over the world. I can see that there is some sense being made on both sides. Neither side is perfect. Viewing each other as sides or on opposing sides is doing a lot of harm. And the major problem here is that the sides don't trust each other enough, rightfully so perhaps, in order to come together to make any measurable positive progress. The most extreme position on the right is often characterized as everyone should have the right to own and carry guns. It should be a free-for-all. Guns for kids, guns for criminals, guns in schools, guns in hospitals. The more guns, the safer it is. Because people know that if they do anything with their gun, there are people all around them with guns to stop them. There aren't many people who actually believe this, though. And you can still see the logic in the argument that is extrapolated for arming teachers, right? Why can't we just admit that in the long list of possible ways to reduce school shootings, arming the teachers or having armed guards or arming students is one of the potential things that could be done. And there could be some positive effect of having armed teachers. There could also be extreme negative consequences of that as well. It's certainly not the world I want to live in, but I can admit that if I were a teacher in the U.S., I would definitely consider having a gun. Same with if I was a police officer or if I lived in a neighborhood in Chicago with a lot of violence. So just because I happen to live in a country and community where I don't particularly feel the need to ever have a gun, and I don't plan on being in situations where I would need or want one, doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge that there are people out there who probably would want a gun even if they never wanted to use it. The most extreme on the left is that we should ban all guns. If we do what they did in the UK and do a mandatory buyback program and then hit the streets hard for the illegal guns, we can do away with gun violence for the most part. Well, sure, creating utopia wouldn't be creating utopia if I didn't recognize the merits in that way of thinking too. If we got rid of all heroin somehow, there would be no heroin addicts either. But in the world we live in, and the foreseeable future, hopefully, people do have the freedom to engage in activities that others find perhaps even reprehensible, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. And owning and firing a gun doesn't translate into hurting others automatically. Neither does doing heroin. You can own a gun your entire life, shoot it thousands of times, and never harm a human being with it. Same with a hammer, or a sword, or a saw. I'm not equating guns with hammers, that's a straw man, but I mean, you could make projectile swords and shoot it at a range or in your yard for years and never harm a human. So I can't in good faith say that we can't let people have guns and use them if they want to, regardless of if I think they should or not. This isn't like banning aerosol containers that destroy the atmosphere for everyone. That makes sense. If you use it, we all are harmed. So okay, we can ban that. But I know people with guns who will never harm anyone with them, don't show them to anyone or handle them around anyone, keep them locked and hidden, and shoot at a range as often as someone might go to the beach in Canada, once or twice a year, maybe. There aren't many people who fall on either side of these extremes. Most are somewhere in between. 
Most people think a background check is reasonable, or that convicted criminals should not have access to firearms when they're released. Whether you are pro-gun generally or anti-gun generally, the noises we are making are the same. We want people to be safe. We don't want dangerous people to have weapons. The problem is we're looking at each other as enemies, and we're pushing each other away. Thinking that if we ban some guns, they'll ban all of them eventually, which has happened. And conversely, if we ban some guns and shootings keep happening, or a bomb goes off, what next? What was the point of banning them if it doesn't stop the real problem? The true creating utopia-esque solution here, I could find, to digress, is we would live in a world where everyone can have a gun, no one needs a gun, and no one has any desire to use them against other people. But that world, on a global scale, is far away. It's worth striving toward, no doubt, but how would we get there? Well, I'll take a second to just say, if the entire conversation about guns and banning them, or protecting them and the NRA and protest movement, could be directed toward the root cause, the socioeconomic root that is driving the nihilistic and dangerous behavior of a percentage of the population all over the world, well, we might start to see some progress. The first question is, why would you want a gun? Well, there are so many answers to that question, but everyone that isn't self-defense or recreational? Well, those reasons are questionable at best and most likely dangerous. They want to hurt someone, kill someone, rob someone, and now what is the reason for that? That's the question we should want answered. Why do people want to do harm to others? What societal preconditions are leading to this? Because it's easy to see, when you look at inner-city gang violence, well, the entire society promotes a gun necessity. If you don't have a gun and know how to use it, you are at a serious disadvantage just from a, a self-defense perspective. We need to address that there are children at schools who want to shoot their classmates, and there is no alternative they can find. Nowhere for them to go, no one to turn to, no avenue or outlet to share their thoughts or ideas. The problem is the lack of support in terms of an outlet or alternative for those who either want to cause harm to others, in the case of mass shootings or terrorist attacks, or see no way but to cause harm to others in order to ensure their survival in the case of robberies and other crime. Sure, having guns may be and probably is making the problem worse. But here, this is what this episode is all about. I'm not saying the guns aren't the problem. I live in Canada. We don't have guns everywhere, but you can get them if you want. What I am going to say certainly is that the vast majority of people who want guns, who are pro-gun in the NRA and own guns, are not the problem. These people are your neighbors. They're your friends and family members or co-workers. They have a different set of beliefs and values and preferences and hobbies, but they are not going to cause harm with their guns. They're not a danger. It might be dangerous if they don't lock them up or if they're careless with them. Do I think it would be a good idea not to have guns? As I said, yes. But the people who are my allies, who want, quote, common sense gun legislation, well, the gun advocates and NRA members, the average members, the people who carry rifles in public even, they are not the threat here. They are not the problem. Not worth pushing away. I see so many times that the people I agree with, 
who want the world to be safe and perhaps gun-free or automatic rifle-free or whatever, well, they immediately paint the gun supporter as unreasonable, stupid, evil, promoting violence, etc. And so what I hope, if you're listening out there, as we move forward, the next time you hear someone on the other side of the aisle on this debate, you reach out to them and say, hey, I don't think anyone should have guns, but I hear you. I get what you're saying and why you're saying it. I haven't laid out the argument as to why guns aren't the problem myself, because I'm going to play a clip from Coloin Noir, excuse the pronunciation, on the Rubin Report during the How to Create Utopia segment. About an hour into the conversation, right before they finish, he goes through the relevant statistics on gun violence and tries to relay information in a reasonable, open way. So now for this week's final segment, the way I end every podcast with a semi-actionable idea that could hopefully make the world or life or both a little better. How to Create Utopia. The brief introduction I'll give to this clip is just think when you're listening to this, do you think the person speaking is a threat to your safety in any way, shape, or form? Are you worried about this person? Is there anything they're saying that suggests they are nothing short of a good person? Is this person ever going to harm you physically as long as society is operating as it is today? Without further delay, here is the clip. Okay, so we can't end without doing sort of what I think would be the big question uh -huh. for everything we've talked about here and for someone that works with the NRA yeah. and your shows on NRA TV and all that. So what is going on in America right now that mm -hmm. seems to be unique to our society? We do have more shootings here than I, than I think virtually all other Western nations combined. Mm -hmm. um, so... Okay. Feel free to fact check me on that if I, if so, I butchered that one. But, but I, I, it does seem yeah. it's, and even if I'm slightly off. No, no, that, you're good, you're good. It, it seems that there is something uniquely happening here. Now, I would argue that mm -hmm. there's all sorts of mental health issues and probably uh, prescription drugs and, and maybe non-prescription drugs and all sorts of other stuff. So there's a there are a couple of things. Go. So I'll try to I'll try to keep this as concise as possible because yeah. we are going to get into weeds for a split second here. Yeah. So first of all, let's talk about mass shootings, right? Or school school mass shootings, for instance. I I recently just read a study from Northwestern University, um, not too long ago, which talked about comparing the number of school mass shootings back in the '90s versus the versus today, and. What they concluded essentially was the perception is that it's happening more frequently, but it's not. It's actually on par or even less now than it was then. Now, you can, people who can just like, oh my God, how could you possibly say that? Google it. It's a Northwestern University um, research. Uh, I can't remember the actual title of the actual research, but. All right, we're going to grab it from you after this. And I we'll can pull it up. My, and I'll, we'll yeah, have absolutely. my guys link to it in the absolutely. description. Okay. So, that being said, mass shootings account for a very, very, very marginal percentage of shootings in this country. Let's start off with the overall. So 35, 35 to 36,000 people each year die from guns, right? I didn't specify gun violence, but just guns, because they don't do that. They'll just say gun violence, mm -hmm. right? So 60, about 60 to 65% of those, that 35,000, is suicides. Now, what I'm not saying is we don't care about suicides. We do. However, when it comes to the idea and the issue of somebody shooting at me, mm -hmm. that's a, that's not it's not germane. Yeah. But then even still, if you want to make the argument, well, if we had less guns, we'd have less suicides. That's also not true because our suicide rate is on par with every other major country. So if it was the case that the more guns you have, the more suicides, we'd be leading the charge. We right. don't. Mm 
where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Even to more, the more more famous suicides we've had, they didn't use guns. Mm -hmm. So we set that number aside, which is a huge number. Yeah. Sixty-five percent is a huge number out of thirty-five, thirty-six thousand. So then you have about one to three percent, which are justifiable homicides. That's self-defense. That's including police shooting criminals who are shooting at them, right? And people who use guns in self-defense, right? We got to set that aside because that's not the issue we're trying to address. So set that number aside. And then you have about 5% which are accidental, right? Kid gets, finds a gun, pulls triggers, unfortunate, extremely unfortunate. However, I believe personally, half of that could easily be addressed with more education. So if we took the energy that we took that we, we place now on trying to vilify guns and have national campaigns teaching people about gun safety, that will cut that number in half. Because a lot of these accidents are easily preventable, but they're just people who have guns who just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so if we spent time educating those people. Do we know what percentage of that subset mm -hmm. is getting those guns legally or illegally? Because I would imagine that a lot of it's probably illegal, which is why they don't know how to use the gun in the first place. I'm not gonna assume I have that answer. Because I don't have that hard number. Yeah. Um, but and I would. I'm. But I do feel comfortable assuming that as well. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if we take that the accidents and set that aside, purely homicides, we're looking at around seven to ten thousand every year. Right. Now that's a different looking number. Right, when we've accounted for the, all of the, 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 the context here with those, those other shootings. Now, the vast majority, I'd say close to 80% that I've read in a couple of articles, of those homicides are happening in the inner cities of our country, right? So then reason goes, all right, so let's look at those inner cities and let's look at the dynamics there, right? You have low jobs, lack of economic opportunity, um, destroyed households, and a narco economy that warrants, that warrants, but creates the necessity for this type of violence. So if we dealt with the socioeconomic aspects of what's going on in those areas, right, do we really have a gun problem? If you got the feeling that this person is dangerous, Check out the other videos on YouTube or the entire conversation on Ruben's podcast. Because he's not. He's intelligent, calm, thoughtful. And just think, when we consider if guns are a problem, or what can we do about the gun violence epidemic? Don't you want to work with this person? Don't you want to combine knowledge and skills and find an answer? Rather than have him dig his heels in his trench, you dig yours in your trench, and continue to battle while people continue to die. He isn't the problem. He isn't dangerous. He isn't the one we should be battling at all. He wants a gun because he wants the freedom to protect himself from a perceived threat. He doesn't want to rely on the government or anyone to fight a potential battle that he hopes never comes. He doesn't want to use his gun on any human being ever, but he would rather have the chance to survive or alter a life-ending scenario with his chosen means of protection. I disagree. I don't feel the same need, but I see his perspective and don't want to restrict him for pursuing his goals and desires. I have a feeling he would gladly work toward creating legislation that prevents the wrong type of people from getting their hands on firearms. 
and he would also work with inner cities to promote gun safety as well as advocate for a value system that leads children away from guns and crime and violence and toward education and a productive, positive family life. This is how we create utopia. We reach across the aisle and find those who we disagree with. We find them and we find where they make sense and let them know it. Show them we're not fighting them. We don't want to live in a world where we win and they lose. Because in reality, if we win and they lose, no matter which way you look at it, whoever is we and whoever is they, we all lose in the end. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Creating Utopia. If you found it interesting or valuable, please share with a friend or on social media. Follow me on Twitter at creating underscore utopia and make sure to ask questions, comment. I'll make every effort to reply to everyone. Stay tuned for the next podcast on third or alternative political parties. <laughs>